morning. Good morning. Welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. I am Pastor Michael. I'm happy to see you here on this beautiful day uh, in this month of March. Uh, we are in our first Sunday in Lent. Um, and if you did not receive our Lenten devotional materials, uh, there are still several copies out in the narthex. I encourage you to grab a set of those. And if you have someone in your life you'd like to uh, share those with, please take an extra copy or two, whatever you need. Uh, we have more than enough. Um, do we have announcements? Anyone? This Friday, um, if anybody has an hour, a half hour, a little bit of time on Friday afternoon between 2 and 4, we're going to have the children here. It's a uh, early release day, so we're, our theme is kind of Dr. Seuss because March is reading month and also St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Anybody out there have anything? Once, twice, sold. Cool. Well, that is just some of the stuff we have going on uh, here, some of our ministry work and whatnot. Um, but I'd like you to kind of bring yourself centered to a place of uh, worship, um, however that works for you, whether it's a couple quick moments of quiet, a short prayer, whatever uh, helps you uh, to center yourself in God. Um, and I will turn things over to our liturgist to get us started. Good morning. My name is Fonda, and I'll be the liturgist today. I invite you to turn to your bulletin, and we will recite together the call to worship. The season of Lent sets us on a journey. The journey begins in the wilderness. We follow the way of Jesus, who faced trials, trouble, trepidation, and testing. Like Jesus, we are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. God's word is on our lips. Our call is to trust in God alone, to do God's will in all things. For God leads us not only into the wilderness, but also through the wilderness. So at this time, if you'll take out your red praise folders that those of us here in the sanctuary find, and we'll be turning to page four, number 13, for our first praise song. And for this morning, I would invite you to go ahead and stand with us on our first song, and then we'll be seated on our second. Our first is, as Fonda said, he is exalted. Thank you. 
you now to join with me in our opening prayer. Holy One, our refuge and shelter, we will call out to you, sometimes in praise, sometimes in distress, as life goes on. Whether we perceive it or not, you are there. Open us this day to your presence in the smile of a friend, in the call of a bird, in the simple and good enough movements that fill our days. Amen. We find ourselves hungry for many things that we believe will bring us satisfaction. In today's gospel, the devil lays a bet that Jesus will jump at the chance for glory, fame, and the quick fix. Who wouldn't? But Jesus keeps up the pithy one-liners long enough that the tempster just has to slink away. What are the temptations that catch your ear, singing out promises that your life should be more special than it is? What if ordinary life is already holy as is? Let us take a moment of silent reflection. Beloved children of God, hear this compassionate word from the letter to the Romans. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Know that already God is offering us freedom from the temptations of the not-enoughness of our time, inviting us to love and revere the same ordinariness of the day-to-day so that we might recognize its true beauty. And know that despite our sometimes faltering steps, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are being forgiven even now. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Today, uh, for our offering, again, if you would like to make an offering or tithe or gift, we invite you to please use the little white church out in the narthex. Israel came out of the wilderness and into a land flowing with milk and honey. There they were able to offer to God baskets full in joyful celebration. We too bring the first fruits of all that God has generously given us with joy and thanksgiving.
Please rise as you are able and join me in singing our doxology. Generous God, in light of your extravagant blessings, no matter what the state of the world or our imperfect lives, we offer our gifts and ourselves and know that you transform what we plant into the produce of love. Amen. If you would remain standing as we are able for our next hymn, number 64, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. You may be seated. It is now uh, our youth moment. If our children and youth would want to come hang out up here for a few minutes with me. And remember, you are all children of God, so everyone is invited. It is very pretty. I like that. The polka dots. You coming? Huh? 
can sit right here. Okay. So, have you guys ever gone grocery shopping with maybe your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa? Yeah? Yeah, you've gone with me, right? Yeah, you've gone with me before, too. Okay, don't touch. Okay, so when, when you go in the produce section where all the fruits and vegetables are, right? They all look really nice, don't they? They almost look perfect. Okay, so hold on. So, all the, the apples and the oranges and the tomatoes and the cucumbers, they all look almost perfect. And blueberries. Okay, hold on. But did you know those are not all of the fruits and vegetables that the farmers grow? There's a bunch that never make it to the grocery store. What? And apples. Yes, and apples. Hold on. Yes. That's okay. All right, so there are a bunch of fruits and vegetables that never make it to the grocery store. Do you know why? Why? Well, so that is part of it. Do you know another reason why they don't? Okay, so hold on. You, got, you see these two pictures of carrots? Yeah. Now, which picture of the carrots, which are the ones that look like really, really good, like they're perfect? These ones. The ones here on the left? Yeah. No, I think so you won't usually see carrots like the ones on the right here that are, are sometimes different colors or they're kind of shaped funny. That one, or look at how weird it is at the bottom. Do you know why? Because the stores are worried that people wouldn't buy these because they don't look as nice. But they have all the same nutrients and all the same vitamins and good stuff in the regular carrots. Yes, 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 yes. So these are just as good as those, even if they look a little bit different. Why is there a fly here? Because it's There's warm enough that they've come back. I saw it when okay, there. okay, focus. So do you think that's true with other stuff, that, that sometimes there could be things that look different even though they're really the same and they're both just as good, but one on the outside maybe doesn't look as, as pretty or fancy. Do you think there's other stuff like that other than fruits and vegetables? No. Like, what, what else could be like that? Can you think of something? Um, I can. Hold on. Well, can you think of something other than a fruit or vegetable? Um, yeah. um, so, inside of those healthy stuff might be like things that might like, like some foods that make your like mouth healthy. Okay, that that's okay. Hold on. Yes. Yes, Connor. Maybe beaches. A beach? Sure. Yeah, some beaches are like, too big. Some people are too small. They're too 
or there might be too many rocks, so it's not good for swimming, but maybe there's still a lot of good sea life that live there, like fish yeah, and stuff. Yes. Maybe some watermelon or some vegetables. Okay. Could, what about a tree? Are there trees that look kind of kind of even scary or scraggly, but you know what? They can still be a good home for birds and other animals. What's this? Oh, sorry. Okay. So, do you know what else that's true about, though? It's true about people. There are so many different ways people can look for lots of different reasons. It can be the color of our hair or the color of our skin, or it could be uh, someone who maybe had um, an accident, so maybe their arm looks a little bit different, or maybe their legs don't kind of work the way that we would think they would. But you know what? We are all still made in God's image. We are all still so good on the inside. So I have a special prayer that I want you guys to do with me. I'm going to say something and you're going to repeat after me, okay? Can we do that? Okay. I look at you. I look at me. I celebrate. What I see. Because God made all. The smooth and rough. No matter what. You're good enough. Good job. Okay, so this week I want you to look around when you're out and about. And look for some of those things that, that look a little bit different maybe. And, and remind yourself that no matter how things look on the outside, that the inside is what matters. And for people, what matters the most inside of us is that's where Jesus is. Jesus is in our hearts. Okay? Remember, pretzels is healthy too, you know. Yes. Okay. Can we do the Lord's Prayer real quick with the congregation? Then you guys can go off to Sunday school? Yes. Okay, here we go. All together. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Go have fun at Sunday school, okay? Okay. All right. It is now time for our joys and concerns, and uh, Katie uh, has the microphone, so if you would like to lift up a joy or concern, please raise your hand, and Katie will come over to you with the microphone. Do we have any joys and concerns this morning? No. Okay, we got one there. Hi, I'm still asking prayers for my son-in-law, Steve. It'll be a couple more weeks before he can, <clears throat> excuse me, get his procedure. 
Was it a quiet week? Nothing happened? Okay. Normally we've been doing um, a response to our prayers um, after uh, the prayers with the song, but uh, for Lent we're going to do a call to prayer. And we're going to use the song we had on Ash Wednesday called Good Enough. Our praise band's going to kind of help lead us. Um, but I'm going to ask you to, to rise as you are able for this. Um, and we're gonna, the praise band's going to help us. By the time we get to the end of Lent, we're going to know this so good we can do it with our eyes shut. Please sing with us, and we'll sing it twice. This is good enough. What in our lives do we dream about for tomorrow? Void of sorrow, tossed regret in decisions of our yesterdays, mistakes we made. Please join me in an attitude of prayer. Almighty God, we pray for all who live in places of threat and danger. We trust in you, for you are able to make peace in the midst of warfare and turn rough places into level ground. Teach us to prepare a table where enemies may feast instead of fight. Hear our prayer, O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade. We pray for those who do not have enough, enough to eat, enough to wear, or enough justice. We trust in you, for you fill the empty with good things and lift up the lowly. Help us to share the abundance we enjoy and to work for the freedom and dignity of all your children. Hear our prayer, O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade. We pray for all who are chronically homeless, wandering our streets, and sleeping unprotected, and for those who are homeless for a season because of natural disaster or economic trouble. We trust in you, for you give even to the sparrow a nest where she may lay her young. 
Make us more determined to assist those who need a place to live. Hear our prayer, O God, our refuge and our fortress, our shelter and shade. We pray for those who suffer in body, mind, or heart. We trust in you, for you are able to heal and to make whole in this life and the next. Make us tender caregivers, that your healing power may be at work in us and through us. Hear our prayer, O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade. We pray for the church, dividing and uniting, wavering and witnessing. We trust in you, for you called the church into being and have made us your body in and for the world. Keep your church from being both uncertain and too certain. Help us to joyfully trust that the Spirit is leading us into new opportunities of faith and service. O God, our refuge and fortress, our shelter and shade, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is generous to all who call upon him. Amen. Please join me aloud in our prayer for illumination. Bring your word near to us, O God. May it rest not only on our lips, but also reside in our hearts. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to respond to your word with our whole lives until you become our dwelling place. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Our first scripture this morning is found in the New Testament, the book of Romans, chapter 10, uh, 8b through 13. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. At this time, I invite you to stand if you are able. Turn in your 
Red Hymnal to page 620, One Bread, One Body. be seated. Our second, uh, try it again. Our second scripture reading can be found on page 1017 in your uh, pew Bibles. We are in the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 13. This section is titled, The Temptation of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, 
returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, saying to him If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. If you would please join me again in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, you are so amazing in everything you do and in everything about you. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the great I am. And what are human beings that you are mindful of us, mortals that you care for us? Compared to you, we are less than ordinary. Yet you have made us only a little lower than yourself and have crowned us with glory and honor, setting us over the works of your hands calling us to care for creation. With you, O God, nothing is ordinary and nothing is impossible. Now may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning again to you all. As I said at the beginning of our service, this is the first week of Lent. And we're going to continue into our our journey and sermon series called Good Enough. We began the series on Ash Wednesday. And as I know, not everyone is able to be at that service or maybe had time to listen uh, to the service on the Stony Creek Facebook page or the podcast or call-in number. I want to take a few moments to go over what we we talked about on Ash Wednesday. Hopefully get everybody kind of on the, the same page as we move forward. One of the first things that I pointed out on Ash Wednesday was that many pastors are using the same series. However, we are only provided with some themes, ideas, concepts, and research to work from. Each pastor still needs to craft their own message. So while you will, so while you will hear what I am preaching, another church using the same resources and series information may hear something completely different. And I believe that is important because each pastor should craft their message in relation to their congregation and their ministry context. But again, each message, regardless of preacher, should still carry the same overarching themes for Lent and each week as we work through and think about being good enough. 
The title of Wednesday's message was Perfection is Impossible, Transformation is Not. We talked about how there seems to be this constant push of, to a vision of what a good life should be as defined in our society. But the problem is that that vision is not always, if truly ever, one that is realistic or even possible to achieve. We acknowledge that in life, stuff happens despite our best-made plans. And when stuff happens, we can find ourselves sometimes believing that the lives we live are somehow less than. And despite that, studies show how status and anxiety about one's status, mediated by stress hormones, all that can contribute to health problems, including cardiovascular disease and weakened immune systems. This constant comparison of or attention to status somehow seems to be hardwired into our brains possibly even part of the human survival system. We also acknowledged that it is a bit ironic that as people of faith, we sometimes seem to forget about God's grace that does not require us to be perfect. And yet, when our lives seem to go off the rails, we still find ourselves believing that we alone are the problem. I want to bring our focus now and our attention uh, to our, our work for today and this idea found in the title of this message that somehow ordinary lives can be holy. I want to begin by looking at a very specific section of our reading from the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel, that being verses one through four. So let's hear those once again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. You know, we find ourselves hungry for many things that we believe will, will bring us satisfaction. Chocolate, ice cream. And not just a hunger for food that we believe will bring us satisfaction, but also things like money or power, recognition, social status, and so on. In our reading from... Luke's gospel, the devil, as I said this earlier, the devil lays this bet that Jesus is going to jump at the chance for glory and fame and the quick fix. And again, if we are being honest with ourselves, it would probably be really hard not to take up one of those offers made to him. And the reason that this section of text is typically referred to or headed as the tempting of Jesus is because those things that he is tempted with are tempting to humanity for a reason or reasons. But again, Jesus, he doesn't give in. He has those quick retorts 
those one-liners that keeps the tempster just far enough away and finally gives up. I want you to take a moment here and think about what are temptations that catch your ear. Which ones are those that are, are singing out promises that your life should be more special than it is? And then I want you to consider the possibility that maybe, just, just maybe, ordinary life is already holy, just as it is. Is that possible? Could that be true? And even if it is, could we possibly convince ourselves that it is true and really believe it? Could we move ourselves away from what we usually believe about these kinds of things and come to a concrete belief that, in fact, ordinary life is already holy just as it is? That ordinary life doesn't require some special key or words or anything else. It is already just the way it is, holy. I've preached on this section of Scripture from Luke's Gospel many times in working in God's ministry. It typically comes up this time of year or is used as part of how we define and outline the character of Jesus as well as the duality of being both human and divine. There are so many ends to this story of, of Jesus' own coming to Jesus moments, if you will, at the beginning of his ministry. Wilderness wanderings at the inception and heart of a spiritual leader's journey is a pretty common theme. It is also true of some non-spiritual leaders' journeys as wandering through the wilderness, whether literal or figurative wilderness. I wonder, what, what if we could see our own wanderings and wonderings and struggles with the incessant temptation to greatness. I wonder if we could see those as portals to a spirituality of integrity. Another way to put that or think about it is a way of redefining perfection to mean that which is perfectly suited for us, which might in fact be quite ordinary in someone else's lexicon of life. The Latin word sacramentum, or something very close to that pronunciation, hopefully, is a description of holy as the inbreaking of the divine on or in something quite ordinary. A perfect example of this, which we will be celebrating in a little while, is our sacrament of Holy Communion. The bread and wine, or rather bread and juice for us. Another would be baptism and the water. 
In reality, when we really think about it, all we have is, is ordinary stuff of life to point toward the divine presence. All we have is ordinary lives to give witness to the sacramental nature of God's actions here and now. It's a pretty powerful thing to think about. And it can be challenging for some people and empowering for others. It all depends on, on where we are at and where we come from. And while we are waiting for something spectacular to happen, like stones turning into bread or, or maybe getting a million likes on social media or, or even a crowd of angels swooping down to catch us, we might just miss the real inbreaking in real time. The American author Edward Abbey once wrote that wilderness is not a luxury, but a necessity of the human spirit. And while I am fairly sure that Abbey was referring to nature and the outdoors in referencing the wilderness, I really do think it still applies just as well in our context of what we've been talking about here. The French poet Antonel France which is kind of funny that his last name is France and he was French. Um, but he once wrote that wandering reestablishes the or original harmony which once existed between man and the universe. There is no mention made of perfection or uniqueness, but the idea that there was and may still be a harmony that existed or hopefully still exists, between humanity and the universe, I think that lends itself really well to this discussion. And if life is feeling like a wilderness, like a wilderness wandering, one of ordinariness, well, then I think we're actually in pretty good company. Because that feeling would put us in the company of the Israelites. We know that they wandered, and they did it for a while. It would also put us in the company of, of Jesus, who encountered the inbreaking of God in just such conditions. What if we could take that step back and really, I mean really, see just how holy the ordinary can be? How might our actions change in our lives? How might our priorities shift? What things might, might come to be more important to us and what things might kind of fall off and be less important? Ordinary lives can be holy. What a short, simple idea, but it's one that carries more power and potential than we might have ever considered. Ordinary lives can be holy. Each and every single one of our lives can be holy. And that is not meant to say that none of you are leading and 
living extraordinary lives, not at all. Rather, it's a reminder that God will work in and through the things, people, places, and more that God chooses. God has chosen us, God's own children, made in the image of God. Ordinary lives can be holy. Somebody really needs to start getting that printed on some t-shirts and coffee mugs and keychains. Because I really believe that is a powerful and important message that we need to remember. Need to keep in mind that we are good enough. And ordinary lives can be and are holy. Amen. I invite you to turn to pages 15 and 16 in your hymnals as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion. Do not have communion elements if you uh, did not bring your own Jesus or did not get some when you came in. Uh, They are in the narthex. Please uh, feel free to go and grab that if you need. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth, you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still small voice. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. When you gave him to save us from our sin, your spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry. When he suffered and died on a cross for our sin, you raised him to life, presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days and exalted him at your right hand. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. 
Now when we, your people, prepare for the yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and the cleansing of our hearts. During these 40 days of Lent, we might be gifted and graced to reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Christ. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us again say the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. In the United Methodist Church, we practice open communion, and what that means is that when it's not a pandemic, normally everything I just did would be happening over there, and we'd have juice and and real bread. And that table, that doesn't belong to me. It doesn't really belong to this church, to our denomination, belongs to one and one alone, and that is Jesus Christ. You don't need to be a member of this church or a Methodist or a member of any other denomination. It doesn't matter your race, your gender, your mental or physical ability, whether you're young or old, rich or poor, baptized or unbaptized. All those those boxes that we keep trying to cram people into and divide ourselves further— That's not what Jesus sees. We are all, in his eyes, beloved children of God, all equal of love and grace by God. And he has invited everyone to come and partake at that table. All he asks is that you come with an open heart. This morning we will again continue in our pandemic practices of communion where you have two options to receive your elements. You can take your bread, dip it in your juice, and then receive the elements together. Or you can eat the bread and then drink the juice. 
Both are acceptable. Neither one is better or worse than the other. They are equal in God's eyes. Children of God, brothers and sisters, I invite you now to receive your elements, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you would rise as you are able for our closing hymn number 622, there is a fountain filled with blood.
Beloved children of God, blessed are you who realize there is simply not enough time, money, resources. Blessed are you who are tired of pretending that raw effort is the secret to perfection, for it is not. And you know that now. Blessed are you who need a gentle reminder that even now, even today, God is here and somehow that is good enough. And now may the God who loves all creation, especially the ordinary parts, and Jesus our companion along this crooked path called life, and the Holy Spirit who loves to improvise in surprising ways, go with you, dwell among you, and give you joy. Amen. Thank you.